Hey, what's up? And welcome to the first edition of the Whistle Stop Podcast. And so happy you could be with us here. We're going to talk with former Kentucky Mr. Basketball and UK Wildcat. He was Mr. Basketball in 2001. Current Pharma Sales Manager Josh Carrier. We'll talk about how he watches the game and learns from every angle. We'll touch on that later in the show as we talk hoops. Former Western Kentucky Manager and current IT analyst from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, Stephen Jordan. He's going to talk about things that he learned as a manager and how they apply to the corporate world. And former Western Kentucky manager, video coordinator, current referee, and State Farm agent office manager, Greg Peterson, otherwise known as Petey. And he'll talk a lot about his time as a ref, how he's always learning and networking. So from there, we'll get a lot of stories in here and just have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, thanks, Drew. So the other the other thing we're going to do is we're going to have uh, some guest hosts join us, uh, which, which will be really fun. we got... Uh, uh, Jason Couch, uh, math aficionado, Boys High School currently, uh, boys basketball coach, over 400 high school wins, uh, two-time state tournament coach, legend everywhere he's been. Uh, Jay, welcome, welcome, uh, welcome to the crew. Uh, thank, also, thank you, PD. I appreciate that. Thank you very yep. much. Also, it's always good to have a native Hoosier and fellow topper on with us. So, uh, we'll, we'll chat with him a little bit later in the show and, and you already heard from him, no stranger to athletics in Kentucky, Indiana, and Tennessee, and throughout the South, um, especially as it goes to SEC conference uh, sports. Current uh, lead anchor, Big Trail Nation, KRTV TV uh, in Fayetteville and Little Rock, uh, NBC and Fox affiliates, uh, Drew Ammon. Uh, Drew, welcome. We'll call him Fuss a little bit here and there. Appreciate that. Um, also had stops in Evansville, Indianapolis, Louisville, and WBKO 13 in Bowling Green, where where we uh, where we we uh, met and had had some good times. And you also met your wife Jamie, and uh, when you both worked at the station in Evansville. So uh, welcome. Yeah, that worked and, out well. That worked out. Yeah, it's good. Um, probably your best interview you've ever done, Drew. Uh, I must say. Yeah, took a little work on my part, but no question here. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, as we go through the, the many legends that you've interviewed, the hit king, Pete Rose, uh, the voice of the Reds, uh, Marty Brenneman, uh, the wizard himself, Ozzy Smith, Meadowlark Lemon, Peyton Manning, uh, covering the NCAA tournament, Final Four, Super Bowl, Indy 500, and uh, the MOB playoffs. Josh, what do you got as far as our podcast uh, views and uh, confirm guests and kind of what we want to get across. So thanks, Petey. Yeah, you might ask why we're going to have another podcast. So the whole purpose of this podcast is to uh, really get friends together. I've uh, been I've known all these guys for quite a long time, and it's good just to get you on the line and uh, talk shop, talk life, talk sports. Uh, and this is going to be one of those things where we're going to reach into our network. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, people that are current high school coaches, current uh, men's and women's Division One basketball coaches. We've got some other uh, very successful uh, NAIA coaches that will be on the line as well. Uh, I'm going to reach into that UK Wildcat network uh, with former coaches and teammates. Uh, several of those are working in the NBA. Some of those are uh, coaching at, at various levels. Uh, but really, we want it to be entertaining, but we really want uh, you all to listen and hopefully implement some, some of the things that you hear into your everyday life 
because it, it will be things from sports, coaching, and even personal development. So a few of the people that we have confirmed so far is we have the head coach of the men's basketball team at LSU, Will Wade. We have Greg Collins, the head women's basketball coach at Western Kentucky University. We have Cameron Whitaker, who is the head women's basketball coach at Northern Kentucky. We have Greg Graber, who is a mindfulness coach uh, for LSU, Rice, Georgia Tech, just to name a few. Uh, we have Jeff Goodnight. He's the director of Boys and Girls Club of Franklin, and he's also the founder of Mason Goodnight Foundation. Uh, we have Chris Blair. He is the voice of LSU men's basketball and their national champion football team. Uh, we have Chance Dugan, who is a women, head women's basketball coach at Bellarmine University. Uh, just to name a few, uh, Chuck Hayes, uh, NBA scout for the Houston Rockets, and uh, we're going to have a lot more confirmed as we move forward. But we hope you enjoy. We hope it's entertainment, and we hope you can take something away. Yeah, Josh, it's it's really going to be exciting just to to kind of reconnect with some of our old friends. And you mentioned the former Wildcat teammates that you talked about getting on, even you know some guys that you're close to, you know, like Robbie Boss and, and Chuck Hayes. It'll be really really fun to to catch up with them and see how. Uh, how they've implemented stuff that they learned during during their time with you uh, and um, into their business into their business life. So that that that'll be it. that'll be great. Uh, our first our first guest tonight. Um, you've heard from him already a little bit. Former Mister Basketball 2001 out of Bowling Green High, Josh Carrier. Josh, welcome. Uh, I know we've 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 said hello and you've introduced, but we also wanted wanted you and 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 Jason to be the the first two guests uh, of the show since you're 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 going to be you are going to be heavily involved. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. So, Josh, talk to us about your early days. Uh, I know Couch will chime in uh, about scorching us in the district final uh, as well, but uh, talk talk about your early days growing up in the shadows of your dad and your your older brother and, and just kind of how, how your career took off. I remember a, a 51 point night at Allen County, uh, in the early days and kind of through your recruiting and, and, uh, the time before, before you ever even stepped foot in Lexington. Yeah. So it, it's interesting, man. My life has had a lot of ups and downs, but the consistent thing has been basketball. So as far as I remember, I've had a ball in my hand. Uh, my dad was a, uh, uh, very successful basketball player, to say the least. He, um, you know, he, he shattered all kinds of high school records, scored over 3,000 points in high school. He was a homebody. He turned down the Big Blue Nation and stayed at home and went to Western Kentucky. Uh, was an All-American there. He's one of the very few that has his rafters or his jersey in the rafters, uh, and he went on to have a very successful ABA career as well. So, uh, living up to uh, that and living with um, a basketball legend, I had no other choice but to play basketball. So I was fortunate in a lot of ways uh, because I had somebody that could teach me the game. And I was also uh, – but it also had a lot of pressure that came with it. Yeah, good stuff there, Josh, from your early days. And, and I know that uh, there's a, more, more than just me. I know Steve-O, too. We, we've, we've had a lot of time. You know, there is a Carrier Dome in, in New York where Syracuse plays, but there are, there's also the, the Carrier Dome up in Oakland that, that we've um, we, we've all shared some games of horse and Big D shooting the hook shot over us, and and uh, that, that's some, some 
time that uh, we all treasure. Uh, Couch, what's your biggest memory of, of Josh from high school? My biggest memory um, of coaching against Josh in high school was the fact that he always beat us. <laughs> it's uh, more of a nightmare when your biggest <laughs> rival has the Mr. Basketball. And uh, I can remember him tipping one in at the buzzer to beat us. I can remember him having 40 one night, um, and he beat us. And then one night in the district final, I think we held him to like 20. And then uh, his brother Jonathan decides to go for like 32. So um, <laughs> it's, I, I, think, I think I'm a little partially responsible, me and my team at Greenwood, for, um, for him having such glaring statistics that enabled him to win Mr. Basketball that year. But uh, I just remember my thing about Josh is he's a winner. I mean, you know, I just he they won all the time at Bowling Green High. He was on some great teams there, and he was part of great teams at UK. So, like, that's the my, my biggest memory of Josh is that he's a winner. And so, um, I think you can tell that the way that you know, knowing him now, all these years later, and the success he's had, and whatever he's decided to do along the way. But that's I think that's when I think about Josh. That's what I think about. Yeah, and hey, Coach, sorry, uh, Petey. Coach, I appreciate that. And, yeah, man, I tell you, uh, we had some battles. You're, you had some really, really good teams. And for us to come away and have uh, the track record that we did against you is is uh, was very tough. Uh, but we were on the better end of things more times than we were. So I apologize for that in one way. Uh, but it also has, has formed a relationship with you that's been long-term. And so – uh, it's been good to get to know you even better over the years. I think we can blame a lot of those games on Dickinson, too. So some of the guards that you had guarding you for, for on our end, I can't say that they're uh, – I can't can't say that they're of, of quality. I, I'll never forget, Josh, we, we played uh, – I think we were juniors and y'all came to Greenwood and uh, it might have been senior year. And uh, the sign – somebody had a sign that said, Josh equals UK – Dick equals ITT Tech, you know, because that's literally the level of of where of where you were and the, the level of play that 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 you always uh, presented, uh, especially in a in a fourteen district yeah. rival that, that we always had. So, Josh, well, take Petey, a little. Go ahead, Petey, I, I love Neil Dickinson, but I think that was a little bit of a slight to ITT Tech. <laughs> <laughs> I will agree there. Josh, take us a little bit through the recruiting process, and I know I know it came down between uh, your your top top five were were Kentucky, Louisville, uh, UCLA, Tulane, and Colorado. Take us a little bit through how all that came about. Yeah, so I got to know uh, a lot of these coaches early on in the game because when I was an eighth grader, I had the opportunity to play with a guy named Anthony Grundy, and Anthony Grundy was he was a superstar, and he went on and he was All ACC. Uh, went he had a little stint with the Atlanta Hawks, but he played uh, over ten seasons overseas, and uh, that put me on the map at playing as an eighth grader alongside him. And so the recruiting process started very early. Um, I was able to connect with um, uh, Doug Gottlieb of CBS Sports. He was my AAU coach that summer, uh, and so we played in a lot of the high-profile events. Uh, and I was able to carry that on through my high school career, uh, both at Bowling Green High School, and then on to the AAU circuit each summer. So letters came early and often. Um, I was 
fortunate enough to be recruited by the best of the best. Uh, and I narrowed it down to basically Kentucky, Louisville, um, UCLA. Those were my main three that were very serious uh, the whole time. Tulane, Sean Finney was a, an assistant coach at Kentucky, and he went on to be a head coach at Tulane. So that's why I consider Tulane. Um, and then Colorado, kind of the same deal. He was a, a – Larry, Larry Gay was an assistant coach with Colorado – but he was previously under Denny Crum at Louisville. And so I had that, that relationship with those guys, and that's why I considered those two schools. But um, I was out, you know, on the West Coast, and we were playing in an AAU tournament, and I took an unofficial visit to UCLA. And so Steve Lavin was the coach at the time, and he showed me around campus and uh, sold the, the program and the life out in Los Angeles. And to be honest with you, uh, it was – my, I guess it was before my junior year, I committed to him in his office to go to UCLA. And he looked at me and said, man, uh, I'm glad to hear that. You're 2,000 miles from home. We want to make sure that your uh, parents are on board with that uh, because, you know, we, we want you to come and be a family and we want you to be a part of this program. We want you to be happy and stay. So uh, that was awesome advice on his end. I can tell you a lot about him too, Josh. It really does. And I, I still look up to that guy today. Uh, he's been very successful in everything that he has done. But the one thing that has been constant is he wants what's best for his players. And that's what your best coaches will do. And I think you'll hear that as we have some of the better coaches around uh, Kentucky and some of the better coaches in these Division One schools that we'll have. You'll hear that from these from these good coaches. But uh, we continued the recruitment process. My parents wanted me to, to to let the process continue to play out, and I was on a visit to Kentucky, and we were uh, touring the campus, and we get a phone call from back home, and my brother had been in a car accident. And so that was very eye-opening to me uh, because if I was 2,000 miles from home in California – uh, it wouldn't be a, a, a quick trip home. Uh, so that was very eye-opening, and I think at that moment I realized that I needed to stay closer to home. And uh, and I hated that it took a circumstance like that, but uh, when you have Louisville, Kentucky, and UCLA courting you, you have three of the best programs to ever do it. And so I was, uh, you know, I had some some very good options. Um, and then the whole Louisville piece, man. I grew up a Louisville fan. My cousin was a was a manager there, and so uh, very keen to that program uh, all along. And Denny Crum and my dad became good friends over the years. And to be honest, if Denny Crum would have been at Louisville, there's probably a greater chance that I would have ended up at Louisville than Kentucky. Uh, but he was forced to retire, I guess, uh, about the time that I committed to Kentucky. And uh, the one thing I'll never forget about Denny Crum is I committed to Kentucky, and he wrote me a handwritten letter congratulating me and wishing me the best and telling me that I would make the most of that, and that is uh, that's the, the plan that needed to be. So I have total respect for, for that guy as well. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason, too. So I was very fortunate to come across Coaches that that know how to do it, and uh, they know how to win in both uh, basketball and life. And I think we'll we'll come to find out as we speak to coaches at the recruiting process that it doesn't always end that way when you when you say no to a coach. That's right. But uh, 
Josh, talk a little bit about your signing class and and kind of your your first couple years. We won't have to. I won't make mention of, of the game at Rupp um, when Western um, beat you all and you went over from the field. I won't. I won't make any kind of mention of that. But talk about your signing class and 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 your freshman year as a as a Wildcat. Yeah, so you don't have to touch on that, but I, I'll touch on that for you, Katie. So, uh, you know, so, so I came in. There was there was four freshmen that came in that year. We had Rashad Carruth. He was a McDonald's All-American. He was a shooting guard. Uh, we were both buying for playing time at the shooting guard position. Uh, we had Chuck Hayes. He was a parade All-American, uh, one of the best players to ever put on a uniform at, at Kentucky. And we had Adam Childs. He was a late addition to the recruiting class out of Louisville Ballard. Um, and so it was four of us coming in. And we were coming in on a team that was very strong. So my freshman year, we were actually preseason number one. So the expectations to win a national championship were there before I even got there, which it's funny. I, I say that, but it's there every single year at Kentucky. But um, we were preseason number one my freshman year and you knew as soon as you stepped on campus that it was a whole new level. So you go from scoring over 2000 points at the high school level, you get to shoot wherever you want, uh, whenever you want, you're playing the whole ball game to coming in and you've got uh, no matter who it is on the roster, they're bigger, stronger, faster, and they're very skilled. And so you've got, you know, over the course of my four year career, four year career, you had eight of my teammates playing in the NBA. So it is a little bit of a, a different time now with Cal as, as the coach because it's an NBA factory, but you have you had eight guys that played uh, in the NBA, and you have guys like Tayshawn Prince, Keith Bogans, Chuck Hayes, and Rajon Rondo that that had ten plus years in the NBA. So, uh, uh, wow, uh, very you know very uh, good teams that I was on. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on that Western game real quick. So uh, I had been recruited by Western, uh, being in the backyard there in Bowling Green. I had been on campus, played pickup games with those guys quite often. And so, uh, you know, we're getting ready for that game in Rupp, very first game of the year. And you had some guys on the team were preseason number one in the country. And you had guys that were overlooking Western Kentucky. And so I'm sitting there looking at these guys like, hey, you have to take these guys serious. They are the real deal. They have some NBA players on their team, and um, they just didn't. They just didn't want to hear me. And uh, so that game, we we overlooked them. I think Coach Felton was a little mad at me for not coming to Western Kentucky, so he was going to make sure my life was miserable the whole game. And <laughs> I didn't have many good looks. Uh, I did try to. I did try to. Uh, force a few things and it didn't work out in my favor but uh but no man it you know it was a it was a great time the one thing i will say about my four years at kentucky is we i was on some of the best teams but they were some of the most underperforming teams and what i mean by that is first year freshman year we're number one preseason uh it ended up being team turmoil because we had so much uh, drama that year and then my sophomore year we go 19 and 0 in the sec we have an injury to keith bogans in the tournament and we run into to a guy named Dwayne wade who had a triple double triple double uh in that elite eight game and uh they went on to to go to the final four and then you know we, we fast forward to my junior year and we're number one overall seed in the tournament again 
and uh, we get beat in the second round, and we we pulled a, a Western Kentucky with the UAB team that we played. We we overlooked them, and you could tell in uh, practice the day before. And then my my senior year, we were a number one seed going into the tournament, and we had four McDonald's All-Americans as freshmen. We had upperclassmen and Patrick Sparks and Chuck Hayes and Kalina Azabuki, and we just had an outstanding season, and we got beaten double overtime in the Elite Eight game. So we had, I'll be honest with you, I really felt like three of my four years we should have been in the Final Four, and we should have come away with at least one national championship. It's it's actually amazing, Josh, and just to think about playing every single night you put on that white jersey, you're playing in front of 23,000 people, over 23,000 people at Rupp. You're playing in front of 30, 35, 40,000 people uh, in just in the NCAA tournament, not even the Final Four, and and that kind of uh, that kind of atmosphere has just got to be absolutely amazing. Yeah, so that's what makes Kentucky basketball special, and I'll tell you it's. It's the best thing about Kentucky basketball, and it may be the worst thing about Kentucky basketball. And I say that because you practice in Rupp Arena about five times all year. Uh, you just don't you just don't practice there. At the time, it was more Memorial Coliseum. Now they have their own practice facility, but um, you don't practice at Rupp. And so you go in there, and it's even game with the visiting team. It's the same. So they get about as much time on the court as the home team. But uh, the fans, they are loud. They're there. They are uh, big, blue, crazy. And it is truly something special. So, yes, um, I tell people all the time, my career didn't turn out exactly like I would have planned it from a college standpoint. But um, it was a great experience. that not many people get to live. Give us two or three just little little synopsis games you remember, and obviously uh, include in, in that uh, the the last time you took off that that jersey in Austin, Texas. Yeah, so a couple couple memories that stand out, and you kind of touched on them just right before this is we're spoiled. I mean, we were spoiled, and it's gotten even worse. Um, you know, as time has evolved. Uh, college athletics, you know, who has the best practice facility, who has the best facility where the players live. Um, you know, and Cal truly brings in NBA talent, and he has to treat the program like an NBA team. And he does a great job of marketing that. Toby Smith, on the other hand, knew how great the program was. He knew the program was bigger than the name on the back of the jersey, and he stressed that every single day. But it's very hard to do that when you're chartering every single flight, when you're giving, you know, 20-plus pairs of shoes over the course of, of the year and numerous sweatsuits and uh, dress shirts and, I mean, anything you can imagine. Uh, you have tutors and support staff that lines up your, your academics. Uh, they line up your athletics. And so your every minute is planned throughout the day. You have – Joe Bologna, who has restaurants in the Lexington area as your private chef. Um, Obviously, the NCAA will allow one cooked meal per day. And so we had Joe Bologna for uh, breakfast in the free season. We had Joe Bologna for dinner uh, as the season went on. So just being spoiled, rotten, uh, that's just a simple way to put it. And when you're done, 
and all of that is kind of taken away. Obviously, uh, when you when you have when you wear that jersey, you're always a member of the family, and they're there to help. But you're not taken care of like you were when you're there those four years. Um, a couple, you know, games that stand out uh, to me. One is Senior Day, and uh, that was very special to me to be able to, you know, put that jersey on for the last minute or for the last time. Uh, I actually played the very most amount of minutes that I ever played uh, in my career at Kentucky. I had 19 minutes that game, and I ended up having a career high. I hit three three-pointers. Uh, Rondo was on my team, and it, it's funny because watching Rondo in the NBA, I mean, his court vision is unreal. And uh, we had a pretty good connection in practice because he knew it was going to go in the basket if he got it to me. And so he was like, Josh, I'm looking for you every single time, so uh, just be ready. And so he looked for me. You know, I was three for five from the from the three-point line, played 19 minutes, played a, a, a critical part in the game to beat Tennessee. Uh, and that felt good. You know, that felt good uh, because I had struggled for four years to find a role and to uh, – knocked down those shots and it it felt good my last game you know look I had a career high in minutes or career high in points uh and it was it was a bittersweet moment and then the second uh game was the one you mentioned at Michigan State it was my senior year uh we should have gotten to the final four and made noise for a national championship and we were in one of the all-time thrillers in NCAA history uh with Patrick Sparks hitting a three I thought uh, the official had raised his hand to call a foul. Uh, and after review, they said it was just to review if his foot was on the line and not if it was a foul or not. So if it would have been called a foul, which, Petey, I'm going to give you stuff uh, this whole duration because uh, that's a that's a call that you probably would have made. You would have blown the whistle and he'd have gone to the free throw line for the four-point play and we would have gone on to the the final four. But, uh, you know, being the last game, it was uh, it was very sad because that was the last time I was going to put that jersey on, and we were so close to making it to the Final Four. Well, then then your playing days are over. You're you're uh, graduating with your business degree. Um, you're you're dating your your future wife, who was a also a if I can make mention of Brittany, a national champion. Uh, member of the cheerleading squad, uh, you're, you're given that opportunity from from Tubby and his staff to be to be a GA for a year. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so coaching is something that has always been in my mind because it was going to allow me an avenue to to remain in basketball. So Coach Smith allowed me to stay around and be a graduate assistant coach, and in the process, I got my graduate degree. So I got two things done, two things complete, two things to experience that uh, are invaluable. So one is that master's degree. I'm, I'm big on education, continuing improvement and development in that, in that way. And then two, it's like, look, I'm going to give this thing a shot. I'm going to, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a coach. And as a GA, you spend a lot of hours that um, most uh Coaches don't. I'm not saying coaches don't put in a lot of – they put in way too many hours than what they get paid. But the reason I'm bringing up the hours is, as a GA, uh, I was still able to have a scholarship. And so there was no pay on top of my classes getting paid for. Uh, So 
it was a, a great experience. There was a lot of long nights. You know, you would fly in from a from a Florida or an Arkansas, and you'd get in at uh, one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning, and it's like, whoa, it's your turn to break down the film tonight. So you would go to the film room and start breaking down the film. It'd be four or five in the morning before you finished, and then uh, come two or three hours later, you had to get back in. But it was cool because there was Chris Briggs. He was a graduate assistant that year. He is a national championship uh, coach, national championship winning coach at uh, Georgetown College here just a few miles up the road. Uh, Cameron Hill, he is the son of Bob Hill, who's a longtime San Antonio Spurs and Indiana Pacers head coach. He was the director of player development during that time. We all three shared an office, and uh, those guys are basketball minds, and I really look forward to trying to get them on the show uh, to just talk about their careers and pick their brains about um, what it takes uh, to get to certain levels and and, uh, and just win win games. Uh, Kit Cameron's now at Trinity down in uh, Texas as the head coach for their women's team. And uh, Chris obviously is very successful here at uh, Georgetown. But I'll tell you, man, it was a it was a great experience, and it, it it gave me a lot of versatility because I ended up getting into AAU coaching, and then I ended up uh, as a Division One women's assistant coach for a season. And uh, the experiences have helped me also in the business world of just tackling adversity and having strategy. Uh, and and the last thing is just building relationships with the people you're around. Yeah, so just just to kind of recap, Josh, and this this absolutely amazed me when I when I was doing some research. One oh nine and twenty five as a player. I mean, eighty two, eighty one, eighty two percent of your games, you, you came out as as a victor, and that just at. <laughs> I think in anybody that you talk to that would want to be a division one athlete and play for four years, especially at that level um, to have that kind of record is, is just amazing. 53 and 11 in sec play. I mean, it, it, that just, it's, it's basically unheard of anymore, especially for people with that much success to play four years. So t- tell us a little bit about after um, kind of your life after basketball. I know you're in, you're in, um, management with a pharmaceutical company now what what's kind of uh you want your legacy to be and your with your two sons and and what what do you do in your spare time yeah so one i uh you, you mentioned my wife earlier so uh i met my wife in college and she tells me all the time uh she she humbles me very often so she has won a national championship as a division 1 cheerleader at Kentucky <laughs> and she has a state championship uh in track and field at the high school level so i don't have any state championships at the high school level either so so i stay humble very often here at home uh, we've been fortunate to have two boys they're 6 years old and 4 years old now Eli's my oldest and Isaiah's uh the baby but uh, the experience to, to to go to college, get a degree, get a graduate degree, uh, meet my future wife, um, it has really been a good story. And so the basketball part of it didn't work out from a playing standpoint of those four years, uh, but it has afforded me a lot of different uh, ways to build character. So over that time, I got some coaching experience and uh, – I ended up 
after one year of GA, it was like, look, this is not what it's cracked up to be. This is too many hours, uh, not any pay. Uh, you've got to just you got to grind and you got to get lucky. Is is kind of how I was looking at it at the time. Uh, so I got into pharmaceutical sales right away, and ironically, the guy who hired me, um, he was married to Mary Cows, the women's head coach at Western Kentucky. So I couldn't get away from the basketball piece of it. And over time, uh, he had two daughters and a son, and he just kept hounding me. Gil, Gil kept hounding me about coaching his daughters. And I said, look, man, I, I want to do individual workouts with, with boys. I want to stay in the boys and men's game. Uh, and he just kept hounding me. He said, look, it would be job security in this pharmaceutical world if you would coach my daughters. So I started – coaching AAU girls basketball. I took a group of third graders and I coached them until they were uh, freshmen in high school. And so while I'm selling pharmaceuticals uh, full time, I'm coaching AAU girls basketball in my spare time. Uh, but it, it basketball still to this day is a passion of mine. And it was a great experience to, to take these young girls and, and build the relationships with them and their family. And, um, uh, I guess five of the kids went on to play college basketball. Uh, they were a close-knit group, very successful, and it also led me to get into a bigger level of AAU women's or girls' basketball because uh, Nike Premier, which is one of 20 Nike-sponsored programs in America, uh, we were able to transition to that team and get on the Nike circuit, and I coached on the EYBL circuit and was able to, to talk to numerous uh, head coaches, assistant coaches uh, in the women's game to talk about the players that I had. I had I had three of my players go to Louisville. Uh, I had other players go to, you know, Samford and I mean, just numerous D1 schools. And so it was really cool to, you know, take – take a, I guess, job security and pharmaceutical sales and get to that EYBL level of AAU because it really, AAU basketball is a machine and it's a necessity for both boys and girls to get to that next level, whether you agree with it or you don't. But um, through that time, I've been uh, promoted to a manager's role with pharmaceuticals. I did that for a little bit. And then uh, one of the coaches that uh, was recruiting my players she told me a long time ago, she said, when I get my first head coaching job, you're going to be the first call that I make. And I just thought she was trying to get my players. And uh, I didn't didn't believe her. And then fast forward a few years down the road, she gets her first head coaching job, and she's calling me to be her assistant coach. And that's Cameron Whitaker at NKU. And we will uh, we'll have her on later on down the road. She might give you a little different story, but uh, she's a good one. And uh, she took a chance on me. I went, I uprooted my family. I did it for one season. I wouldn't regret it at all because, uh, again, I built relationships with her and the other coaches and those players, and uh, we had we had just good times together. So I did that for one season. Now I'm back with the pharmaceutical company that I've been with for now almost 13 years as a manager here on the eastern side of the state of Kentucky. And uh, – just having a ball, man, uh, trying to coach my kids now. I've just kind of transitioned from that whole coaching men's basketball as a GA to young girls in the AAU circuit to young women in Division One college basketball to Eli and Isaiah. 
So uh, I'm going to have fun with that coaching career over the next several years, I'm sure. And you're getting to coach with one of your former teammates too, right? Yeah, so I'm lucky. One of my former teammates that is in the election area, Matt Heisenbuttle, he has a son, Harrison, that is the same age as Eli. So we have had those two on the same team for the last two years. Uh, and Matt, you know, he's an assistant coach at Lexington Catholic. They had a very successful season this past season. They, uh, you know, it's good because Matt knows what he's doing. He is, uh, he's always been a winner himself. And, uh, you know, if Eli's not going to listen to me, who better for him to listen to than Matt? Because Matt knows what he's doing and Matt's going to help him get better. So tell us what it's like being back in Lexington. Are you still recognized around town? How, how's that going these days? Yeah, man, it's funny. Lexington is just a whole other city. So, uh, you know, living in the western side, you kind of got you kind of get forget forgotten a little bit. Uh, obviously, your your hardcore big blue fans will recognize you and they'll want to pick your brain. Uh, but as soon as I moved back to Lexington, it's been almost three years, uh, and I was meeting my reps in Panera's and uh, Starbucks and just people wearing their UK, having their UK hats on. And it's just a different deal here in Lexington, and it's it's refreshing. It's really good to be back. And, yes, I'm probably recognized more in Lexington than I am uh, anywhere else in the state other than Bowling Green. Uh, but it's a good thing because I get to talk about the current cats quite often. I get to reminisce about the good old days and, uh, you know, whether uh, it was a good thing, a bad thing, or indifferent, it is a part of, uh, Josh Carrier's story, and it's uh, it's a good one to tell, man. It's always fun to, to talk about it. And I know just to go along with that, I got to personally experience that. I came up your year as a, as a grad assistant, and uh, um, we went to, no comments from the peanut gallery, we went to a pizza buffet, and um, Josh left his wallet, and um, we got a phone call or we called the, the, the pizza place and they said, well, yeah, these people have your wallet, but they want to be the one to return it to you. Come to find out the people live in Richmond, up 20 minutes south of Lexington. We get in the car, we go to meet these people in Richmond and Josh gets out of the car and a van load of little boys with their basketballs with Sharpies get out of this van wanting to autograph in exchange for his wallet back. True story. And that that right there just goes along goes to show you uh, the the legacy and and the and how you're looked up to as as a Wildcat. Best fans in the world, like I said. So uh, you know we've talked a lot about uh, about your career from a high school level uh, to to playing uh, for the Big Blue and uh, your family even. Uh, I know you like to travel, play golf, a little bit of that kind of stuff. You didn't touch on your legacy much. Uh, anything you want to add there, Josh? Yeah, man. So uh, le- from a legacy standpoint, like I said to, to begin the, the segment here is, look, I've I've experienced the good um, and I've experienced, um, I wouldn't say bad. I've just experienced adversity and challenges. Um, like I said, I wouldn't. Uh, change it for the world because the way it turns out, I can look back and say um, I've been a very successful businessman. I've been able to affect a lot of different young people over time. And building relationships is one thing that I will miss uh, from the coaching standpoint. Um, But 
look, man, I just want people to know that no matter if you're playing 40 minutes a game or you're playing four minutes a game, you can make a difference. And as a coach, uh, on the other side of things, as a coach, my philosophy is one of being uh, encouraging and one of getting to know your players. So what, what, are the, what are the spots that your players are going to succeed in? What are the spots that your players resent? Um, and then just overall, what, what are the hot buttons? You know, what makes them go? And I know that's easy, easier said than done, and, and Coach Couch can – uh, he can touch on that, I'm sure, uh, over and over with his experience. But, man, I'll tell you, uh, really get to know your players uh, because some of these tactics and some of these things that, that coaches will try to do uh, just don't work. And so I love Tubby Smith to death, and uh, he is an old-school approach. And uh, But I will say that uh, – from a confidence standpoint, you know, it was tough going from Coach Ernie Simpson, who, you know, I'm walking across uh, half court and I'm shooting it anytime, anywhere I want, to feeling like if I miss a shot that I'm going to be pulled out. And so, uh, t- hey, look, it is what it is. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. It's been a, been a heck of a ride. And just for the record, you weren't shooting anywhere. You were hitting anywhere. <laughs> yeah, look, man, it's funny. Hey, it's funny. Uh, I came into UK and everybody had coined me as a shooter. And it's, you know, I don't say anything. I just smile. I nod. Uh, but I was a scorer. I was a streaky shooter in high school the whole time. But I was a scorer. And uh, to be a scorer, you've got to have volume shots. And so it was tough going from, you know, 20 shots a game to, you know, not knowing if you're going to get in the game. And uh, when you shoot one uh, time or whether you've sat for 36 minutes, which is almost two hours, and you get put in the last three or four minutes, it's just not a good equation for success. But as a team player, I was going to do everything I could to, to keep a good attitude. I was going to push my teammates. And I joke all the time as, look, man, I busted these guys' butts every day in practice. And I made some guys millions of dollars because I was able to make them better and practice every single day. Coming up, part two with Josh Carrier, how his experiences as a U.K. basketball player help him in the business world, plus advice for up-and-coming high school basketball players who hope to play at the next level. Gosh, it's Steven. Um, just a couple things off of that there. Um, I know a couple guys that I met in college at Western uh, after I was done with basketball that were from Somerset, and uh, they all they all call you the zone buster. Every time you played Somerset, that's all they said. You just came down, pull up, shoot for three, and I, I still think that that's funny to this day. But anyway, give us an experience maybe that you have that you you learn something in 
as a college athlete, student athlete, that you still use in today's society in your in your current position with uh, the pharmaceutical company? Yeah, so I think that's a great question uh, because I coach to this. You know, I'm a pharmaceutical manager, but I'm a coach. I coach to uh, selling skills. I coach to self-awareness. I coach to a lot of different things. But in our profession, in, in this pharmaceutical world, there's a lot of different levels to it. And there's a lot of people that have aspirations to do more. But with that, there's going to come some bumps in the road. So I think the single biggest thing that I learned at my time at UK is how to handle that adversity and how to handle rejection uh, because it's not easy. I mean, you come in, and I'll be honest with you, anybody who comes and plays at a school like Kentucky, they think that they can play in the NBA. And that's no different with me. And, um, you know, you sit there and you play against these guys that have that play in the NBA, and you're like, look, there were – a lot of days that I was better than that person. And so uh, handling rejection, handling adversity is tough. And so that's the one thing that I, I took away is it, it didn't always feel good. It didn't always seem right, but I got to hold my head up high and I got to keep working hard. And so that has paid off in the business world because as a sales rep, uh, I went for I probably went for three or four different promoted positions and did not get them. And then a manager's job came up, and people would look at me like, "What is he thinking? He's been turned down for this role, this role, and this role, um, but he's he's going to go for a manager's position." And so I was able to attain this manager's position. And people ask me all the time, "Is how did you do it?" And I said. Because I learned, I, I faced rejection, I took the feedback, I sought the feedback, I listened to it, and I put it into action. And I didn't sit there and feel sorry for myself. I didn't sit there and quit. And it's the same thing at UK. You know, I could have sat there and sulked and made a bad culture. I could have been a bad egg for the team. Uh, but, no, I decided I'm going to work even harder to make myself better, my teammates better, uh, and ultimately the team and that's no different in the professional world of pharmaceutical sales. Obviously, we've gone through your career accolades from high school to college, now to the career world. If there's somebody that's out there listening to this that's 14, 15 years old, that's a, you know, eighth grader or ninth grader, what kind of advice would you give them in in, you know, becoming an NCAA college basketball player, whether it's, you know, high major, mid major or or somebody might go play for Chris Briggs. Yeah, so there's there's two things that I would touch on with that, and it, this is something that I touched on when I was in my one season at NKU as a, an assistant coach. One, somebody is out there working harder than you. So if you're not putting in the time, then there's no chance. So uh, you've got to put in the time. This world offers so much from a technology standpoint you have uh, everything at the touch of your thumb with an iPhone, and it's very distracting. And so staying focused and putting in the time is everything. The second thing I would say is if you do have the opportunity, you need to look for the best fit. And uh, fit can mean a lot of different things, but fit can mean the style of play. It can mean the type of people that are there at that college, whether it's the coaches, coaching staff, and the players, uh, because you spend almost every minute with these people. 
Um, and if you have aspirations to really play, you need to go to a school that has the system that you're going to excel in. And so I gave that personal uh, advice to these recruits that would come on campus at NKU, and I was like, look, I was blinded a little bit by Big Blue Nation. It was Kentucky. It's the best of the best. But it really wasn't a guard system. Um, it was a – let's throw it to the post. It was guys like Keith Bogans and Gerald Fitch that made plays on their own. That wasn't me. I needed some screens. I needed uh, some plays drawn up for me. And it just wasn't the best fit from a basketball philosophy standpoint. But, again, that goes back to, look, I had a great experience. There was uh, – I mean, I was spoiled rotten. And uh, looking back, there's there's nothing I would change about it. Uh, but work hard and make sure you're looking for that fit. How much are you blown away by the use of social media for guys to get recruited now versus the way you were recruited back then when you were 2001 Mr. Basketball? <laughs> Yeah, so I think it's a uh, that's a great question, and I'm going to give you uh, a quick answer. One is I don't have any social media accounts. That's what I think about social media. <laughs> Second of all, I don't think I could live in that time where I would have to promote myself. I'll be honest, there was some self-promotion going on. My cousin, who was the manager at Louisville, he knew that, so he was able to send letters and, and videos to colleges at an early age, and that really helped. Now with technology, uh, with highlight tapes and everything, it's it's at the click of your thumb. And I guess that I guess that's good because you don't have to go through your VHS te- tapes and try to edit those. But I just I'll be honest, man, it drives me crazy uh, the self promotion that has to go on. But I will give these players all the credit in the world uh, because sometimes these coaches do get fooled. But it is a, it's an interesting deal, but it's just the, it's 2020. All right, Josh, thanks. Coming up, our next guest, Jason Couch. We'll talk about his journey as a head basketball coach at the high school level and also experience at the college level. Yeah.